Hey, what's going on, you guys? Welcome back to Joygasm, where we chat about video games, movies, and, of course, pop culture. I'm Russ, Xbox Live Toaster 360, and with me is my bum-fuzzled brother, Steve, Xbox Live Steveovich, as we recover from E3 on episode 76 on June 16th. 2018. I say we just cut right to the chase. This whole episode is going to be focused on just our reactions to what I lovingly refer to as kind of like our second Christmas. It's kind of like we have Christmas at the end of the year where we have presents, and then June is kind of like our second, it's almost like second breakfast, you know, second Christmas. Or it's kind of like our pre Christmas because we see everything we want to get. For Christmas. True. We all, yeah, and actually that's a very astute point where we don't actually get anything it is, other than... It, 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 it is very astute, yes. Lots, is, lots, yeah. lots of promises. Lots of little promises. Hmm. But I thought that we could do a, just an overall reaction to this year's E3 and then we can go just through each company as, as they gave their press conference and give our responses to that. Does that sound good to you? Yeah, sure, Russ. Okay. So I think I'll let you go first. Oh, or unless you, you know want what, me to go. You want you go ahead. You, go. you oh, always okay. ask me to go first. Go ahead. Oh, okay, okay, okay. So this year was a bit curious for me. Curious, curious. Yes, I was not exactly sure what to expect, just because last year was filled with surprises in terms of when we watched EA come out the gate so strong. That was like a healthy first time. Um, press conference, and then Microsoft came Xbox out. Xbox One X. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And in their press conference left me wanting more and, mm-hmm. and feeling kind of disappointed. And then Sony had a, a just a, an amazing showing. They had a very strong showing last year. And, and um, of course, then you had Bethesda, who also gave a, a good showing. And Ubisoft actually had a, a pretty decent showing as well. And, of course, each one of those companies, you never really know it's weird. It's like on the one hand, you know kind of what to expect, but at the same time, uh, if you're lucky, then they'll, they'll show off some stuff that just completely blows your mind. So this year's E3 was interesting. It was more, I would say, what I would come to expect in terms of like, like typically when I watch an EA Games press conference, there's nothing special about it. Like last year was a fluke, in my opinion. <laughs> Like, not to be mean or anything, but just typically EA has always traditionally done what it always does, which is here is our sports lineup. Here are some action adventure titles from developers that we acquired. It just, there's not a lot of of prep in terms of of being like, just, just leaving like a memorable experience or something. It's just very much here are our games and we know you're going to buy them. So why change the formula? Right. And... I think that, um, and I can go more into that later on, but just that kind of thing is became back into the fold this year with like Microsoft and, and Sony and whatnot. And so I think overall the, the games, like there are games for, from every company that I'm interested in checking out. I didn't, you know, I wasn't particularly blown away by any one thing. Last year, I was very much blown away when I got to see like the first time gameplay of like Spider-Man or um, Anthem, that sort of thing. Um, this this year, it was kind of more of the same in that regard where like they were showing, okay, now a year has passed. Here are um, our progress reports, so to speak, on these games that completely like got you salivating the year before. And it's kind of par for the course. But overall, I thought the E3 was, it was a decent E3. Yeah, I'm kind of caught in between. Um, 
there was parts of this E3 where I kind of had to raise an eyebrow, like, what are you guys doing? <laughs> and, but at the same time there, I expected a little bit more, uh-huh. uh, not necessarily from Microsoft, but uh, last year's E3, we, we had a bunch of reveals and there were some exciting moments. There were some, some downsides, but it seemed like this E3 uh, was more of the last E3. Like there was, okay, here's everything we were talking about, updated and almost released, mm-hmm. but what to expect next year, well, you know, not, not so much. This, these are everything we've been working on, no new secrets. And yeah. so I thought, okay, well, that's cool, but I, I'm, I'm expecting some, uh, some more reveals for an E3. I mean, that's, I think, we, and, and this time last year we were talking about, okay, we're looking forward to all the new games, but we're looking forward to new reveals, new news, and this, that, and the other. Um, well, and it's tough too, just because from a game development cycle standpoint, obviously these games, because they're much more sophisticated than games in the past, their, their cycles are so much longer. I mean, they're, they're in development for anywhere between two to five years. And so it's difficult because the studios have already invested millions of dollars into one particular project. And unless you're like either aligned with some massive publisher that can fit the bill. Yeah. Or if you're a developer who's had enough monetary success that they're able to shoulder on an additional project, then you're kind of at the mercy of just having to wait till this one project gets finished. And of course the challenge is how can they maintain that, right. that sense of momentum and hype and everything else. So but it almost seemed like they didn't have enough in development. I mean, Bethesda aside, uh, I mean, we we didn't even get a reveal like of more of a progress report on Final Fantasy Seven. You know uh, yeah, what I mean, so, like, so there were certain, you know, yeah, definitely some absences from yeah. the show that surprised me because I was definitely expecting to see some pretty in depth stuff from yeah. the Square Enix press conference for sure. Uh, and we'll, and we'll get into more of that um, later on. But um, overall, though, like I was. I was, for one, pleased at the just the sheer amount of quality titles that are coming out for all the different platforms. It wasn't like uh, I walked away thinking, gosh, there's nothing really to look forward to. Like I, I had that more from last year from Microsoft, honestly, because right. they, they had such a focus on indie development. And I'm just not an indie kind of guy. Like, yeah, I'll, I'll enjoy like one or two indie titles that come out and, and they'll be great and that sort of thing. But it's not my meat and potatoes of what I like to play. And so this year, though, like I said, it was it was a bit different in that regard. But um, one of the big things that I did notice about this year's E3 is did you see like how many titles are coming out in January and February of next year? Right. Yeah. Typically, and, you know, in a traditional sense, the the big reveals are released for Christmas, you'll have them come out like in October of this year or November of this year. Sometimes you even have some late bloomers that come out like December 1st or something, but they want to capitalize on that Christmas time frame. And this year, you, I really didn't see as many titles that are going to be for, for that particular uh, fourth quarter. And it's, I don't know, I don't know if this is just a, a one-time thing or if, if it's, this is a, the start of a trend. And I, I found myself wondering like, why would they do that? Yeah. Because typically, you know, first quarter is typically kind of like the dead quarter for gaming. Like you'll have maybe like one title that comes out and then there's nothing else. You play the waiting game until second quarter and then you start to get more trickling of titles and that sort of thing. But typically fourth quarter is the quarter where like you have the huge avalanche of titles that come out. And I, and I was uh, talking to a buddy of mine and 
he brought up something that I think makes a lot of sense. And he was saying he thinks the reason why that so that so many of these these games are being pushed to first quarter is because Red Dead Redemption 2 is coming out, I believe, in October of yeah. this year. And he thinks that they just don't want to compete sales-wise with Red Dead, which I think that there is some validity to that in, in the sense that it is a Rockstar title. Rockstar has forged a reputation for itself in terms of it being just a powerhouse company that anytime they release a game, odds are it's going to be amazing and everybody's going to buy it. But I'm not completely sold on that's the sole purpose of why some of these games are getting punted to first quarter. Well, plus you have a couple more months before yeah. Christmas after that, you know, is released. Yeah. And, and, and typically in the past too, like you can have several AAA titles right. be released within that time frame, yeah. and odds are people are just going to buy it. They're going to spend the 60 bucks per title. And maybe there may be like one or two games that you can't get right away, but you are going to buy in the first quarter. Right. So again, I don't know. I walked away with that because like Metro is coming out in the first quarter and I can't remember all the different titles, but like I think Anthem is coming out in February and um, there was something else too. I, I th- there was a handful of titles where I was like, wow, okay, this is, it, it's, it's being announced enough times where it's starting to kind of make a little mental note in my mind about, okay, first quarter. Interesting. And I just don't know if perhaps these developers are thinking, well, maybe if we can just have a little bit extra time, give us three extra months to be able to polish and everything else, then it'll be good to go. But anyway, I thought it was worth mentioning just because, um, yeah. I'm sure you probably noticed that as well. Anywho, well, let's drill down into these different companies. So starting off with EA games, um, EA was the first out the gate. They were the ones who actually scheduled themselves on a Saturday, which this was also a new trend for E3 because typically E3 begins on Monday and they go Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then they kind of peter off on the Thursday, Friday. But this year in particular was interesting because they wanted to capitalize on the weekend, which I personally prefer. I like how they did it on the weekend because, of course, we all have the day. Most of us have the day off on Saturday as well as Sunday. And so EA, um, when they pushed out, um, I want to give props to Andrea from uh, What's Good Games because she was... The saving grace. I'm just kidding. Yeah. Seriously. I mean, <laughs> yeah. she was the, the pretty much like the host of the show yeah. and she did an awesome job and she just totally killed it. It was amazing how, um, you know, she, she was just very charismatic and accessible up on stage and, and, and just very easy to talk to. She had a, uh, just a, a really good energy to, to be, able, be able to bring, which I kind of felt bad for her at times just because the audience is so nerdy. I mean, there's all these like kind of more, um, introverted, you got some extroverts out there too, but like a lot of the folks in the crowd are just much more reserved in terms of expressing themselves. And and there were a couple of moments where like, you know, she was trying to get a reaction from the crowd and it just seemed like the crowd was just kind of, girl, she's talking to me. You know, I guess, I don't know. I don't know if it was, I don't know if it was, it was people being reserved or people being critical of EA and how EA hasn't conducted itself in this past year. True. And they're expecting a higher standard. Yeah. And so uh, I think they wanted to be wowed and I think they wanted to uh, be given a lot of what they were expecting. Sure. And so if someone, if they come out and they go, oh, well, here's Command and Conquer for mobile. If everybody's like, mm-hmm. you know, or yeah, we're sorry about Star Wars, but here's some Ewoks. You happy now? Uh, you know, I, that, to me, that was my reaction. And I, I think True. a lot of folks in the crowd were the same way. That being said, 
if you were going to put a face to EA, she would be the face. I mean, for everyone else who came out on the stage, I mean, God bless all the producers and, yeah. the, and the creatives. Developers. And I mean, oh my goodness, these guys work with their tails off. Yeah. Um, so God bless them. But I mean, she did such a fantastic job. I mean, I, hope, really I hope EA brings her back yeah. next year. I mean, that, that, she's the face you want up on the stage saying, hey guys, how's it going? This is what we got for you. So that was awesome. Um, well, and honestly too, like I would love to be able to see more folks from kind of more of the journalistic backgrounds. Like Greg Miller uh, would be another just natural. Like, like if they had him hosting one of the press conferences as well, he just has such a great sense of humor. He's down to earth. I think yeah. that, that that's the nice thing is that a lot of, oftentimes you'll have more of these studio heads that come out and they just, they're almost like political figures in a way. I mean, like the whole, like you know, don't, don't point at the audience that, you know, kind of curl your yeah. index finger as you try and make a point on something. And I don't know. I think that that gets lost in translation to um, an audience like, like the gamers. And I think having people like Andrea as well as Greg, I think that they would really just just bring forth a certain quality, like what we saw with what Andrea did with EA. And of course, it's it's not the only ingredient that's going to make for a successful press conference, but it is an important one, I think, to help keep things moving. It's no different than like, you know, if you're watching Billy Crystal on the Oscars or something, you know, having a quality host who can keep things moving, sure. who just keeps the vibe lively. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, I think that that would actually be a pretty fun thing for them to try and explore. So, well, I think the audience can relate better as well. Absolutely. If you have a bunch of the head honchos come out, yeah, you may know who they are, but yeah. they don't know who you are. Yeah. Um, and I think they are used to speaking with. Uh, other corporate executives or investors or, you know, whatever and whatnot. They're not used to speaking with and interacting with the, the usual fan. Mm -hmm. And so when they come out and they're looking all, you know, professional and this is, you know, our, our line is our head. So we tell the line. And then the fans <laughs> are like, dude, just show us the games. Yeah. Uh, or if you have the developer come out, who's not used to speaking with, in front of a live audience whatsoever. Right. And they kind of, they're like, huh, huh, hi, huh. Oh, what's my line again? And maybe the teleprompter person's like behind the line, you know, <laughs> well, oops. Well, and it's so. kind of endearing too, just because having worked in the game industry, I know that you have a lot of personality types that, you know, they're a little socially awkward in their own way, or they're not used to like, Hey, what's going on? All right. Can I get a, what's up? You know, like they're, they're just not like that. And, and it's no fault of their own. And they're actually just extremely intelligent people. I mean, they're, they're, they're fantastic at what it is that they do. But of course, you know, when it comes to promoting your work, promoting your title, it, you just, you just get that, that kind of, um, uh, mix of, of sorts. But I, I, for one, always give those guys a pass because they're the ones oh, who get course, shoved yeah. out on the stage here, sell the game. And they're like, uh, yeah. yeah, I've been in front of a computer screen for, I don't um, know how long. And now I'm in front of a crowd. And is this uh, in my job description, <laughs> uh, here's my game. <laughs> so <laughs> rough stage. I don't want to talk anymore. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, when it comes to EA's press conference itself, um, Battlefield Five looked interesting. It looks like like kind of a unique twist on it. the The whole war paint thing was a bit different. It definitely made me think of Braveheart in terms of like the blue face paint and and just kind of like the the direction they're taking. And it has almost a Nordic vibe to it. Right. I, don't, I don't know a ton about it yet, but um, Battlefield, of course, is is one of those titles. It's, it's very much like Call of Duty in the sense that sometimes you'll get titles that like I don't have a whole lot of interest in checking out. And then other times they'll come out like Battlefield 1, for instance, and it's like, what did you guys eat for breakfast? Because yeah. this is just... 
game changing. It's just amazing, like what you guys were able to achieve. Battlefield Five, though, I'm I'm not sure. Did did you have any? Thoughts on that particular title? Yeah, I mean, it, it does look interesting. I know it's not entirely factually based, uh, but it seems like it's running in the same engine as Battlefield 1. Yeah. Not a bad thing. Not a very exciting thing either. My my interest in, bat- in the Battlefield series is when they do do a story, they do it very well, and they put in a, a ton of sound effects, which right. I like. Yeah. I, I like all that little stuff. The graphics don't have to be grade A, but I liked a lot of the little intricate sound details, and mm-hmm. Battlefield's known for that. I mean, yeah. with Battlefield 1, when you're crawling along the ground, or the schluck, and the yeah. water, and you know, even the bullets hitting different uh, surfaces, all the little casings and whatnot. So, that being said, I mean, but... Here's what I don't do with Battlefield. A lot of folks do the multiplayer. Mm-hmm. I just couldn't get into it. So I'm more with the, I'm story driven. I am totally that too. I'm all about the single player story. I, I can't get into the, mul- it's funny. I cannot get into the multiplayer of either Battlefield or Call of Duty. It's just yeah. not my bag. So with the Battlefield series, I, if, if they're not going to give him very much of a story and it's going to be focused on multiplayer, then I probably won't go out and get it the first day. Right. Since it's not worth that, you know, 60 bucks for a game that I'm going to play for maybe, 15 hours totally. total that's a little expensive for me yeah but i mean with the, even with the last one the stories that were that they gave us were great and you still have yet to play it or continue uh, i'm, I'm continuing uh, you know what i'm yeah i i'm i'm grinding my way right. little by little. little yeah baby steps <laughs> so but i mean it was literally like 10 or 15 hours and then you're done with the game yeah and then the rest of it's multiplayer from there on out so critiquing more of ea's press conference itself I was okay. First of all, I was very pleased as punch to see unrivaled, unraveled (laughs) too. I am still making my way through the first unraveled. It's a long game, but but my daughter absolutely loves it. I love it too. I think it's it's a very smartly designed game. A lot of brain teasers, that sort of thing. And it was great to see they had a, a sequel come out and it's two player. However, I felt like their presentation of it went on for too long. I didn't I, like what they should have done was just have like perhaps like the guys come out and say, hey, we're from the, you know, the game Unraveled and we're here to show Unraveled 2 and that's it. Like, like drop the lights and just play a trailer. Um, and, and instead it was kind of like this weird thing where like they were, they were playing the game and, a, and like the game itself is very puzzle heavy. And so right. it's a more of a slow burner of a game. It's not this action filled thing. And the part that they were at, I mean, they were just kind of jumping up and down and doing little things. And it just, it like kind of lost me. I would have preferred to have seen a montage of different types of puzzle situations that they're in the process of successfully figuring out together as a team and just let, just have it move along in that sense. Because I think when I was watching them, I was like, ah, God, come on guys. Like, like this is getting a little, well, they seem to be you're losing me here. It's that seemed to be the, the course throughout because even with battlefield, for example, uh, there, there was nothing very, very new about right. it. I mean, they had some new little intricacies, but I mean, the graphics engine wasn't redone or they didn't show anything that was that was refreshing and they just kind of went on with it. Okay, you know, here's this, you're in the snow and here's some planes flying by. You can jump out of windows, you yeah. can tow some stuff. Okay, like, all right, I see it. That's, yeah. that's like one thing, got it. Uh, what else you got? And they just kind of kept on showing it and then, yeah, with Unravel, they just kind of drew it out a little bit. Um, I mean, Unraveled, in my opinion, was the star of the show just because everything else was just kind of vanilla flavored. Like, yeah. okay, what else do you got? Yeah. Oh, this side scroller is pretty. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and even when we get to, um, for instance, like command and conquer rivals, which was their mobile game that they were showing. 
That was a fail. Oh my gosh, dude. Like, like it was just, again, there is a fan base for the command and conquer line. Right. However, for them to dedicate that much time to a mobile game, it was so boring. Yeah. It was so boring to watch that going on up, upstage. And and they, they and it seemed like EA was constantly trying to get in touch with like the different YouTube stars or professional gamers. If you notice they like they had some people come out and they're like, oh, it's so and so and so and so, and they're gonna play the game. And it's like, yeah. I don't care. Yeah. Like, like, and, and it's nothing against them personally or anything like that, but just I'm here to watch what games you have in exactly. store for us. I don't need all the pomp and circumstance surrounding it where like you're trying to get street cred or something with the gaming community you will gain your street cred by showing us amazing titles and you know the people will sing your praises as a result but the command and conquer thing went on way too long was not interested in that um and of course anthem is like the big one that we were both looking forward to seeing and i'm curious to get kind of your comments on this too because Anthem, like, like I'm still very much excited for Anthem. I think Anthem is going to be great. Bioware knows how to tell a great story. I was very excited to hear them talk about how there are no romance relationships. It's all friendships in this game. I'm like, yes. Thank you. That's what I want. Just tell me a great story. Let me play with my buds, that sort of thing. Um, however, I felt as though the way that they approached the presentation of Anthem, where they had Casey Hudson up on stage and they had the lead writer and I think it was like the, the executive producer, um, it, 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 was, it felt kind of discombobulated to me. I was surprised that they were showing so much concept art because that would have been more appropriate for last year. Right. This, I mean, especially if they are going to hit, I mean, that's what's crazy too, is that they're planning on having this get released in February of next year, which basically gives them about seven to eight months before they have to kick this thing out. And it strikes me as it's going to be something that's kind of similar to Sea of Thieves. And I wanted to get your opinion on this too, where Sea of Thieves got booted out and it's a great game at its core. But there's not enough content to keep us just just constantly wanting to come back for more. It is a fun game to play, and I still play it. But it's it feels very empty. And I hope I'm wrong on this when it applies to Anthem. But one of the things that, that concerned me when I was watching them and listening to, to what they had to say was, at one point, Andrea asked them, what is this game about? What is the story? And the lead writer really didn't give a concise, clear right. synopsis yeah. of what the game is about. What is the purpose of us being here? What, you know, again, Bioware has a reputation for having these amazing stories that immerse the player and you just can't wait to find out more. And especially with a game like this where it's designed to be more online play, but you're, yet you're still supposedly working through like an overarching story campaign type of deal. I don't know. Like, like what, what did you think about... Um, uh, unless, unless you, maybe you had a better idea of what the story was about, but no, I actually had no clue. If you on Patreon can <laughs> go back and hear what we had to say on, on Anthem. I, it, it was more that kind of steady line of, okay, here's Anthem again. Here's some more combat that you already uh, have seen. Right. Um, but really nothing new. I mean, we went, we went underwater, so we saw a little more level design, but yeah, I was confused as crazy. <laughs> like, why? We even had a little bit of a talk about the story and right. how confused we are and what it might've been a better idea uh, if they included. But yeah, I was watching them upstairs. I'm or, uh, on upstairs. <laughs> I was somewhere. Uh, I was on uh, the stairs yeah. were on me. Uh, I was in the basement and they were upstairs <laughs> and I could hear them through the floorboards. 
So <laughs> I put my ear up there and I could hear a few words. No, but they're on stage and it's talking and they weren't very excited about the game. And I was trying to be excited about it too. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. The, the hype was already there. Like that, right. I think that was a big thing for us is after we saw the teaser from last year. I mean, like I, we're already sold on the game. Like we just, we want to see gameplay at this right. point. We want to see what's going on. And I mean, it was cool to see the classes of javelins right. and, and, and to their credit, like one of the things that I really enjoyed is the wordsmithing in this game. Like just the fact that the name of Anthem is just such a great yeah, name powerful. for a game. Right. The fact that, that their exosuits are called, are called javelins. Yeah. Um, the fact that, that you yourself as a character are called freelancers. Yeah. I mean, yes, like right. all of that. I, I am, I am tracking with you all the way. Like I, I love all of that. But again, that's just the biggest question mark I had going away from it was just, I still don't know what the purpose is. Give me a, a deep storyline, something that I want to be able to, to understand and embrace the purpose of why I'm playing this game. Because if all it ends up being is like just some sort of online game where like you're flying around with three other buddies in these like Iron Man exosuit type of deals, it's like, that novelty is going to wear off because it's like, okay, well I'm flying around and I'm shooting at random stuff, but there's really no point. And, and she did mention something about the dominion. I think it was called mm -hmm. as like some sort of evil faction or what, or what have you. But um, anyway, I, I'm curious to find out more. I hope that Bioware in the coming months will actually give a much more precise and yeah. clear statement of just what the story is. Oh, I think also if they came out and said, okay, it's just going to be available on Christmas and like, okay, okay, wow. Okay. That's really close. Right. Fantastic. But no, it's gonna be available next year. And if, and even with the level design, it seemed kind of, you know, a lot of levels were enclosed. Like you flew to a certain point and then it was enclosed kind of cavernous in mm -hmm. a way. Yeah. And I didn't see a ton of variation between like light areas, dark areas, level design, Level design, I thought, was pretty cool because, like, you have well, quite a few different types of. It just didn't seem like they had a lot of vistas. variety, to me. Um, and then, what I saw new also was when they were shooting some of the enemies. Like they had some of like the hit points come up, just yeah. like they did yep. in Destiny. In so Borderlands. Thought, in Borderlands, so I mm -hmm. thought, okay, get away from that. I mean, it's starting to look kind of like Destiny. I know it's supposed to be the Destiny competition, but okay, do your own thing. Stop taking stuff from Destiny. That's kind of like a... I would say that that, that is something that's more of an RPG thing because the game is it, it's very much like an action-adventure RPG. And so that's where the hit points kind of spilling out of the enemies comes from. I agree, though. I think in a weird way... I would, okay, here's the deal. For one, I would like the option to have that turn off. Yeah. Like, if I can go to the options menu and say, I don't want to see the hit points spilling out of the enemies. Because for me, it turns more into more of an arcade game as opposed to being immersed into this world where, like, you're shooting at a creature or whatever. Or if you wanted to have just something as simple as, like, a, like I don't mind floating health bars. I think that's okay. But, yeah, the, the constant uh, numerical values spilling out, it just, it's like, ah... I'm not sure if I'm digging that. And it could be just it, it, the game is not finished yet. Perhaps that is something that, that they just put in there as a placeholder and then they're going to kind of dress it up a bit later. Yeah. But you know, one, one thing I wanted to comment on before we move on is, is back to the command and conquer. I think the mobile portion would not have been as bad if they were going to release a new command and conquer for the consoles. I think if they went to the, the consoles and went, yes. okay, we haven't had a command and conquer in a long time for our Xbox one and PlayStation four. Here you go. That would have been really cool. And they go, oh, so to tie along with this, you know, we're also releasing 
a Command and Conquer for mobile. mobile. And here's what's going on here. I think people would have been, oh, okay, yeah, I, I can kind of wrap my head around that. Not to mention the fact if they were to tie the two together, where exactly. like somehow you could have a symbiotic relationship exactly. between the two. That'd be sweet. That'd be awesome. But if they, I mean, they spent, I mean, I don't even know if it was five minutes or 10 minutes, but it's it seemed it was like eternity. Yeah. And this is not even a, a very good looking game. I mean, if I compare it to my, my, heartfelt clash of clans or clash royale i'm like i'm not gonna go out and get that game like you know i would go i mean if i'm taking care of my business you know i might <laughs> play the game once you know for like two minutes and that's it don't devote all this time to the show that i may check into this game once in a great while right like no yeah i yeah it's, it's interesting <laughs> to think about um even with star wars battlefront 2 dlc they they had the the dlc thing come out and of course they had one of the guys from uh the developer who who came out and, and was actually i appreciate how apologetic he was like his you could tell like he really wanted to communicate to the gamers out there that they learned from their mistakes the whole pay to win snafu thing it's actually not a snafu it's more like a <laughs> guffaw but <laughs> money grab yeah yeah but again it, i think that was more on ea side not necessarily the developer side i think that ea just saw an opportunity to make some money and they kind of put pressure on the developers so it was nice of them to be able to come out and say look yeah we've made these fixes here comes some dlc and whatnot but even with that too like uh it's weird like i i actually ended up picking Star Wars Battlefront 2. I saw that. Um, over the weekend just because it's now down to like 20 bucks or something. Yeah. It's like, okay, I'm willing to, to, to buy it now that they've had the fixes in place and the price is at a, a price point that I think the title is worth at, that sort of thing. Going back and forth on it though, I, I'm I'm hoping that they're going to be able to, to push forward with it because I do believe in the title. I believe in the concept of what they have going for it. I just think that they need to flesh certain things out and I think that they need to make sure that some of the mistakes they made in the past don't come back to haunt them uh, because, it, again, it, it's it's just... Well, we, see, they had that that saying and they had the guy come out and apologize, but then later on you had, what's his face, the head honcho EA guy, come out he's like oh the joy oh, Wilson, of yeah you know, the joy of subscriptions you know subscribe to this only 20 bucks here and then we yeah. give you all, i'm like okay you're just looking for other ways to get money absolutely that, you know so in in a, in a way you apologized here but you kind of crossed your fingers behind your back hoping that you know okay we right. can kind of divert everyone's attention and we can still get money so it didn't seem like it was that honest of an apology it was just we got caught red-handed sorry here you go but hey here look at this glitzy over thing on the side give us more money yeah it's, i don't know i just left it to still that that bad taste in my mouth didn't exactly go away well and i've never been a fan of some of these like premium deals that the it, for some reason all these different not all of them but there, there's kind of this growing trend of these um, publishers where they they, they offer some sort of service. And so in EA's case, it's like the origin service or something like that. But it involves putting in your personal information. And then, of course, you have to pay for it. Right. And to me, it's just I just want to play the game. And of course, actually, EA was way more aggressive about this in their previous titles, where before you could even start playing a game. Right. You had to like either opt in or opt out or they they, they tried to kind of 
semi strong arm you into giving your email or whatever. And you had to really look to say, no, not interested kind of thing. Ubisoft did the same thing with Assassin's Creed. Like every time you want to start the game, you have to like opt out of signing in. Like, come on, yeah, play the game. That right there is a roadblock. Like, like you cannot have that kind of experience in a game. Just let the gamer play the game. If they're interested, then they will seek you out. Right. And they will sign up and do whatever is necessary for that. But it's weird. It's almost like, it's like a, a subscription within a subscription. We're like, I'm already paying Xbox Live sixty bucks a month to be able to play and online. You've already, and you've already paid for the game the first time. And I've already paid for the game. But then EA wants to have its own ecosystem living within the ecosystem of Xbox Live. And I'm like, no, dude. Like, yeah. <laughs> you've already got my money. Yeah. Just go through the normal channels of like, if you have you know DLC content, whatever it is that I need, I will purchase it through Xbox Live. And you'll still get your money, but you don't need, you know, my, my money from my great, great grandfather's trust fund, whatever, you know, <laughs> give me your future children. And it's just, no, no, we, we don't need to go down that far. So what grade would you give EA's press conference? I'd give it a D. It's very, very astute of you because I would give it a D plus. Hmm. We're pretty okay. close. Yeah. I'm, I'm actually going to make a note of that right there. Okay. Steve gave it a D. One more thing I have to mention is when Andrea, uh, I, I don't know if this was her or EA, but they uh, they focused on that one guy who was working on the next Star Wars game. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that was scripted or not scripted. It seemed like it wasn't because he was really caught off guard and trying to look for stuff to say and try and be happy. And um, that was actually really cool. That was actually, uh, I would say that's one of the highlights because he's actually highly regarded in the gaming no, industry. No, I, I definitely get it. No, yeah, I'm, I'm not I'm not trying to trash on him, but the way they went about it was, okay, we're, let's say it was a reveal. Mm-hmm. Okay, we have, we have no concept art. We have no title screen. We have nothing. We just have him just saying little tidbits of what's going to happen. And even with Andrea putting the microphone in his face, it, I don't think he planned to really say anything. They just thought, okay, he's here. Can he do something? And even with the audience right there, they didn't re- respond in kind either. Uh, I just thought, uh, I mean, I felt for the dude. I was, <laughs> if that was me, I would be like, get this microphone camera out of my face. I didn't come here to say anything, you know? Um, <laughs> well, you, we, we don't know if it was planned or not. I don't planned, know. But yeah, I know. I'm just saying it felt to me as a viewer, it felt uncomfortable. But it, yeah. And, and again, too, I think that part of that has to do with, again, it it was a new format in terms of having Andrea there. And I think it's a, it was a brilliant approach to how these press conferences can actually evolve a bit because I loved, I for one really liked the fact that she was just sitting in the audience. And, you know, once again, it reminded me kind of the Oscars of like what some of the hosts have done where like they're kind of in the crowd. They're saying hi to some of the celebrities in this case, in the gaming world, the quote unquote celebrities are the people who are working on these AAA titles and stuff. I mean, to me, if done correctly, you can actually get like, once again, it's more of that immersive factor where it's like, oh, wow, they're not just focused solely on the stage where you have people coming out from behind the curtain. It's like now it feels more informal, a little more casual, that sort of thing. I think it just needs to be adopted a bit more from the audiences in there. We're like, oh, yeah so-and-so may see you in the audience. And if they come over, just be yourself, just be casual, be mindful not to give away any spoilers. If you're working on a game that's very early in development, but like to their credit for this particular title, like it was cool that he did confirm that they are working on a different, completely different star Wars title from battlefront Two. that led 
to some some semblance of satisfaction for me personally, just because with Battlefront 2, it's like, yeah, I haven't played it yet. I did buy it this weekend, so I'm going to start playing it. But I, I have heard rumblings of other Star Wars IPs that are currently in development by EA. Right. And it just, I don't know, it, to me, I was like, okay, cool. I can't wait to see that, especially because if I remember correctly, he was from Respawn Entertainment, which they did Titanfall 1 and 2. So it's going to be interesting to see like what they have cooking for that. Yeah. And again, I think it's also important too to note that the grades that we give EA's press conference is in no way a bad reflection on Andrea at all. Andrea was like yeah. the highlight of the right. whole thing. It's just in terms of the games, we're, I, I suppose it's probably worth mentioning. The grades that we're giving these press conferences um, have mostly to do with which games were being shown. Content. And yeah, it's just content. And then, yeah, some of the production value of how the the, the show went overall, that sort of thing. But Anyway, let's move on to Xbox. Now, for me, uh, this was a very strong showing from Microsoft. It was a complete 180 from last year. Last year, we were both walking away disappointed. We were kind of, honestly, I was stunned as, as to how disappointing his, the, his, his conference, their <laughs> conference was last year. But this year, um, I was definitely impressed with more of the lineup that they had. What'd you think? Yeah, I think they took a little bit from Sony's conference last year about really focusing on the games, less so on the presentation, give the people, the players what they want. And even though they had a, a ton and I was just overwhelmed by all their content, yeah. I was, I was definitely thankful. I don't want anyone to think that I'm complaining or anything, but I mean, it was so, they had so much. They did. And they really focused on the content, which I was thankful for. Uh, if I were to give any kind of criticism, um, I would have I would cut down on how much they came across of world premiere, yeah, exclusive. I mean, when you hear that fifty times, right? I'm like, okay, I get it. Yeah, let's just see the games. This is Microsoft conference. You don't have to overplay this, you know. Um, so, I mean, I thought that they they had a great stage. I thought Phil, oh, the stage was, yeah, was phenomenal. Awesome. Yeah, no, I and um, I liked how they had some some of the gamers come up and play Forza. Uh, I thought it was, I, I was actually a little bit relieved, even though Macarga, I'm glad they didn't bring out another car. I'm, I'm yes, kind of glad. I was they, totally going to say that. Like last year, yeah. I thought that was a mistake. Like, here's the deal. It's one thing, like if, if you want to have some kind of like prop yeah. on the stage, fine. Just have it there. Don't turn it into the focal point where it's like, right. let's watch for two minutes as this car is slowly revealed and then just talk about it and talk about the manufacturer. I don't care about that. Right. Show me what that what that car looks like in the game. Yeah. If that car looks amazing in the game engine, now I'm pumped. Yeah. But I don't think it's anything wrong. Like, like if they were to like just quickly have like like a car or two on the stage just to kind of re-emphasize, hey, right. this is Forza, yeah. it's out of cars. Cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I love Porsche and I know Porsche, maybe they were a sponsor. I mean, they had to have been fine. I get it. The business side, but as a gamer, I don't care about the sponsorship. I just want to, I just want to drive. I don't want to see the levels. Right. I want, you know, I want to be again, immersed into the racing experience. That being said though, they did give us Forza 4 and I, that was one of my most anticipated titles. I wanted to see it and they, and then they showed it. I felt as if it wasn't as strong of a delivery as Forza Horizon 3. Mm -hmm. I mean, I can watch that trailer again and again and again and get crazy goosebumps. This one, I'm I'm glad it's in Britain, but I didn't really feel it as much. It was like, okay, yeah, here's Forza 4 and we have some changing seasons. And, uh, you know, here's, I thought the concept was great. It just, the delivery was a little bit satisfactory. It wasn't amazing. Um, 
I'm trying not to complain. I'm still going to pick up Forza for Horizon 4. But um, anyhow, moving on. Plethora of games. And dude, I, I mean, the crowd was phenomenal for mm-hmm. Microsoft. Yes. I mean, I was... If you look at all the crowds and you know all the, all the little uh, uh, company conferences... Some of them were going, hmm, I don't know what to say. Some of them were being, you know, kind of quiet to themselves. Some of them were kind uh, of being rambunctious. They had a huge crowd and everybody was loving Microsoft. It was like last year, Microsoft maybe had some some kickback from all the indie titles being shown. But throughout the rest of the year and end of this year, mm-hmm. they really delivered with all the updates they were putting on uh, the Xbox dashboard and all the great content with Xbox One. Mm-hmm. And so the crowd was was loving Microsoft by this point a year later. There was a big difference between last year and this year. Oh, last year, yeah. like, like the audience at first was really pumped and wanted to see what was going on. And then like about midway through, like the, the hype started to wane. <laughs> and by the time- Something that, better, like, yeah. okay. Yeah. Please, okay, this next one. I, yeah. re- I remember I was, tr- even we were like trying yeah. to like pump each other up. Like, okay, this next one's gonna be good. Yeah. You know, and then it never came. Whereas yeah. this, this time it was like constant like people were just absolutely right. excited the entire time. Yeah. And then I, mean, I, I, I have to get this off my chest. I can't hold it in any longer, but with, with the last bit of the show, like, okay, that's it. And I'm like, and then they, oh, that one last bit with cyberpunk, dude, <laughs> that was the winner of the entire conference for me. It really was. I mean, we didn't even see any, any gameplay footage. The gameplay footage is out there. I mean, they yeah. they took in some, uh, I know they took in Angry Joe and they took mm-hmm. in a few other guys to show them some private content. So the gameplay is out there and everyone's yeah. pumped about it. Yeah. And again, the word of the of the day is immersion. We want to be immersed in this environment. And even though there's some good games coming out, Cyberpunk feels like we're going to plug you in here yes. and this is going to be the best thing that, that our, our best thing next to virtual reality that we can come out with. And there's nothing but praise for this game. So I am hot to trot. Oh, <laughs> you heard it right here, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> but the way they went about it, I mean, just finishing off the show with that, and yeah. that's it. Okay, everybody, I mean, they, they couldn't have finished it on a higher point. I think that, that Microsoft definitely came out swinging this time. It was great to see that they have learned from last year. And just the fact that they started off the show with Halo. Oh, yeah. Well, we Halo that, is yeah. the bedrock of which Xbox is built upon. For sure. There's just, there's no argument. There's no way around it. No excuses. Halo is just synonymous with Xbox. Halo is the reason I bought an Xbox One. Me too. The original Xbox. Absolutely. That's the reason I bought the system. Yeah. And so seeing just, just even though it was a teaser, but still, but just the fact that like what we did see was clearly a return to its roots of right. what makes Halo Halo. And I'm very happy to see that. Yeah, me too. And it seems like, and I haven't played through the latest one yet. Yet. Um, <laughs> soon. But you can borrow it, Steve. From all the stuff that I've seen, it seems like they've been downplaying Master Chief and all right. the fans of Halo want to see Master Chief being the man. Absolutely. So you cannot replace Master Chief. No, you got it. I mean, that would be like replacing Super Mario with Sonic. another character or Sonic. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like, uh, no. I mean, even if they brought something, they brought in Knuckles. Okay, cool. Knuckles, but Sonic's still the man. Right. They brought in Tails. Okay, Tails, cool. Sonic's still the man. Yeah. So you can't replace Master Chief with anybody else. You can't be kicking him in the face either. Right. He still needs to be the man. Yeah. Yeah, they they started off with a bang. Um, and in fact, for those of you who are subscribers on our Patreon account, we have uploaded our live reactions to each one of these press conferences. So if you were to look at the, the Xbox One or listen to it, I should say, 
<laughs> it's really funny because we both are, are are pretty funny to listen to with uh, just our response to realizing it was a Halo game. Because we were kind of playing the guessing game there for a bit. We didn't know if it was Shadow of the Tomb Raider or yeah. if it was, I can't remember some of the other, we thought maybe it was Anthem and, and suddenly we're like, oh, that's, that's awesome. Now, going through these other titles that they had, I mean, I... Um, I made notes of the ones I was particularly interested in. Of course, you had Halo Infinite, Ori and the Will of the Wisps just looks phenomenal. I actually went back to Ori and the Blind Forest because I haven't beaten that game yet. I'm pretty far along. I think I'm about 66% of the way through the game. And uh, I just can't wait for that sequel to come out. Sekiro looked really cool. It looked like it was kind of like Microsoft's answer to Sony's Samurai game. Oh, man. Yeah, both those games yeah. look ridiculous. Yeah, they look super cool. Fallout 76, again, I actually purchased Fallout 5. I haven't actually started it because it's a part of my pile of games I will probably never get to. But Fallout 5 or 4? Fallout... Was it 4? I think it was 4. Are the, well, I'll have to look at it. 14. If I had my, my controller, <laughs> I'd be able to tell you. Anyway, it was the one that was the most recent one before Fallout 76 is coming out. But um, Fallout 76, again, it, people absolutely cherish the Fallout series. Uh, I can't really comment on it because I've never played a Fallout yeah. game. I know that all my friends who do play Fallout, they're like, dude, you got to play this game. It's so good. Well, I thought it was cool to have, what's his name? Todd, uh, Todd, what's his name from Bethesda? I don't remember his last name. Anyway, so he came out, and I just loved his performance. I mean, he, I don't know, I guess that was probably scripted or not, but it came across as unscripted. He's like, yeah, you guys, you know, this is Microsoft, (laughs) we're Bethesda, you guys are our friends, dude. I I loved his little delivery. Yeah, yeah, he did really good. Even though we had already seen footage from being advertised on YouTube, the way Mm. he delivered it was, was, was awesome. Uh, worthy of mention too is that Near Automata, which originally came out on the PS4, it's going to be released and it's going to be Xbox One enhanced. So um, I may end up actually getting that game for the Xbox after all, just to um, have the kind of more of the update, I guess you you, you could say. Yeah. Uh, Metro, of course, that was one that you were very excited about. Um, I love that song. Um, oh, I can't remember what it was called, but but like I remember first hearing that in the movie Snatch with Brad Pitt. <laughs> What's the name? Of, do you remember the name I, of the group? I, I, no, I have the album. I can't remember it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a great song, but uh, let's see here. But again, with that one, they didn't really show us anything new. They just showed us some more level design, but what they did show was not as exciting as what they showed last year. Mm-hmm. With last year, I mean, the graphics were great and it was intense. Yeah. This time it seemed... Last year, it was because they were probably demoing it on like a high-end PC versus now we're seeing it on like a console Yeah, version. maybe that was it. it. It just didn't seem like the maps were that exciting. Which actually may have a bit of a, a, a throwback to last year if you get the Xbox One X. I imagine the graphics are going to be back to being yeah. crispy. You know? After this show, I, I think everyone has to get an Xbox One X. Yeah, you're starting to see yeah. like, okay, I, I can see the validity in that. I got to throw down for a 4K TV and all that fun stuff. But Sea of Thieves had two expansion packs. I was glad to see that. I was happy to hear about how they are having the the skeleton crews on ships. That's precisely one of the things that you and I have talked about ad nauseum. True. Um, although, it, although if they do, they do release it. I hope we don't have to pay for that DLC. Yeah. I'm not sure what the plan is for that because a lot of folks who are highly anticipating CFDs from this time a year ago, mm-hmm. some folks are, are already bored with the game and we yeah. need to keep those folks excited that have already paid 60 bucks for this game. And okay, we've done pretty much everything there is to do. We fought skeletons. We fought each other. We've, 
done plenty of, of uh, voyages for merchants and yeah. and gold and annual skulls and whatnot. What else do you got for us? Oh, you can pay us an additional. No. Uh, bring <laughs> me back to the game with something exciting and free. Now, Forza Horizon 4, which you already mentioned, I thought it would just look beautiful. I, I do think you're right in the sense that I, I think there's a tonal shift that has occurred between 3 and 4 just because of the locale that you're racing in. Australia has a certain type of persona associated with it, and it's much more of that laissez-faire, let's go out and have a good time. You know, hey, welcome to the Outback, mate. You know, yeah, just, just racing that. your Lamborghini on the beach. Yeah, yeah, completely like just unrealistic, but totally fun versus the new place, which is Great Britain. And Great Britain, again, the the visual spectacle, I mean, it just, it's gorgeous. Like I, for one, am looking forward to seeing how they've recreated some of the famous places within Great Britain, that sort of thing. But I do think that there will perhaps be um, like I said, a bit more of like a, like a tonal shift in terms of it being like, whoa, we're here in Australia and we have the Hot Wheels track and da, da, da. you know, like it's going to be, I think, um, at least based off of what we saw. Um, I, I, I totally agree with what you were talking about, how there, there does seem to be a bit of a shift on that. But I don't think it would necessarily be a bad thing because I don't know if I would want to have the exact same tone in every Horizon game. Just, you know, maybe shift it and alter it a little bit so that it, it, it's unique to itself. So I'm definitely going to be picking it up. I think it's, it's still going to be a great game. Of course, we also have Division 2. Division, the first Division game I was I was very interested in, and then when the actual game was released, it was the same thing as like what they did with Watch Dogs, and they mean meaning Ubisoft in the sense where the first reveal you see, the graphics look amazing. The trailer was amazing, and then when the game comes out, you're like, wait a minute, what what happened? There's yeah. like <laughs> LOD is supposed to stand for level of detail, not loss of detail. Yeah, it's just bizarre how that went about. However. Looking at Division 2, it looks like they have remedied that situation. So now, when I'm watching a trailer for Division 2, I'm looking, I'm like, yeah, that looks like game graphics. It doesn't look like this souped-up, super-end, high-end PC that's playing behind the curtain or whatever in order to make it look as good as it does. It looked like, okay, this is what I can expect. And as a result, it's like, now I'm into it. It's like, yeah, I think I'd be down for, for checking it out. Yeah, for me, the jury's still out in the Division 2 uh, I'll, I'll wait to see it. I'm not going to say I'm not going to pick it up, but I'm going to see what folks think, you know, who, who are the uh, early adopters. I want to see what they think first and now. Right. <laughs> I might, might pick it up. And of course, Shadow of the Tomb Raider was shown and you very pointedly, no pun intended, mm -hmm. ju just uh, picked out that uh, it is another bow and arrow game of which mm -hmm. I am very fond of. So I will have fun resuming my uh, pilgrimage as Lara Croft through the exotic worlds and lands and everything else. But that I, I don't know what it is about the, the Tomb Raider series. I'm just, I, I can't get into it. I don't know what it is. I, it just looks like more the same to me. Nothing really, it, I don't know. I would say the biggest issue is that the villains or the antagonists, whatever it is, they have never grabbed me in a Tomb Raider game. They're, they all kind of blend together as, oh, it's a bunch of men that are kind of out for the same thing you are and they're just evil. It's like they... And they have guns. Yeah, it was just kind of... Uh, and they're dressed in black. Like, what What else can you... How can you make it more memorable in that sense? Like, I almost feel as though they need to come up with like a Bond villain type of thing where like it's just much more creative. I don't know, as opposed to like, oh, look, 
the bad guy's scruffy and he's wearing like a leather jacket or some sort of safari shirt or yeah, I don't know. It's just what else? I was, seriously, you guys can come up with some yeah, other stuff. Give us some better storytelling. I mean, even if it had to go a little bit of the like the fictitious side with some other baddie that you had to fight. I don't know. Yeah. But just different levels, same enemies throughout the end. I don't, I don't it's good. I still am very much looking forward to the game. I'm going to pick it up. I think that the, the level designs are going to be fantastic. The core gameplay mechanics are just so fun. It's really, really fun to do. So it's like a nitpicky thing I have of it. Devil May Cry 5. So you in the past have been yeah. a Devil May Cry fan. You've played a number of those titles. Um, I have never played a Devil May Cry game. I've always, that's been kind of one of the, the games I enjoy watching you play. Yeah. But you didn't seem as though you were sold on it. No. Again, the jury is still out. Devil May Cry 1 was a game changer for me when, when that came out. That was awesome game. And the Devil May Cry 2, okay, yeah, worthy sequel. I enjoy playing it. Then Devil May Cry 3 came out, uh, kind of waning a little bit. They're, they're doing a bunch of like funky stuff with Dante. He's sounding a little too sarcastic, too like nonchalant about everything that's happening. Uh, I don't know. I couldn't really do it. And then the Devil May Cry 4 came out. He's all emo. I'm like, nope, not playing it. <laughs> so they, they, they've been sort of on this downhill trend with this series. Mm-hmm. And I want to I want to see them go back to some seriousness uh, and, and to some depth. Because for me, when they when they get too sarcastic and, and uh, chip on the shoulder attitude, hey, what's up? Well, we're going to go ahead and do this. Yeah. Okay, bang, bang, shoot, shoot, slice, slice. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm not on board with it. Yeah, yeah. Cuphead DLC came out as well, and I was very happy about that. A brand new character and a new island for us to check out. And that's yet another game that we have not beaten yet. We still need to make our way. I know we're toward the end of it. But again, I was happy to see some some expansion on the, on the Cuphead. Yeah. It's like, sweet. But I wish we would have seen her a little bit in some of the level design. Yeah, but it wasn't like a deal breaker for me. Like, I'm I'm glad yeah. that they showed what they showed. And actually, they revealed on Twitter, on their Twitter page, they had like this little animated GIF of the new character. And so you did get kind of a, a taste of just what to expect. I'm actually curious if you could have three players play online. Or if, or if it's limited to just two, because that would be pretty cool, too. Yeah, that would be kind of annoying. As though. if there's not enough mayhem on screen. <laughs> and their screen's trying to move with three. Ah, that'd be tough. It's tough enough with just two players trying to move around and the, and the camera following and expanding and whatever. The isometric game called Tunic with that fox and it had that kind of stylistic, low poly environment. But yeah, it was really, it was like next, mm. I, I almost refer to it as like, it's like next gen low poly. Yeah. But uh, that looked cool too. Like it had kind of like a Zelda vibe about it, but it was like that really like 3D cartoony, like, like, like kind of like three quarter top down view and you're doing your little adventurings. I don't know. I dig it. I was like that. That looks pretty cool. And of course, Dying Light 2. This was a, a unique presentation. Um, I can't remember if I played the first one or not, but I really liked what they showed with the game in terms of how choice it was kind of at the center of this entire game itself, where like the choices you make will um, act as forks in the road. And, I, and I'm a huge sucker for this type of thing when, when it comes to story. I love a good story and I love to actually be affected by the choices I make. And so having the guy out there talking about a scenario where like, let's say for instance, you come across some bandits and uh, you can decide on how you want to approach them. Do you want to um, ally, oh, ally, 
<laughs> ally yourself with them or do you want to kill them? And based on that decision, then the, the way that people either prosper or different factions will suffer or whatever, you know, the water will, will go to a different type of scenario. And I just, I think that's great because it adds gravity to your decisions in a game. It's not just, well, I'm going to do this. And then you have no kind of, um, yeah, or the whole situation thing is, change or, or circumstances that, that get altered. Or the whole thing's just dictated to you. You have to follow rules and, you know. Yeah, if it's like a linear thing where, like, you don't have any kind of change in the outcome, yeah. then it's like, eh. But, but I mean, I, th- I, for one, am very interested in that game. I, I'm, I'm definitely going to pick it up. And um, even the graphics, too. I mean, it just, it looked like a unique title, which is saying something, Consider they showed 50 games. So, yeah. Uh, of course, Just Cause 4. I have never played a Just Cause game. Have you played Just Cause? Negative, Ghost Rider. That one uh, also looked interesting to me. I think that's for multi-platform, but um, just the, uh, the the way it looked, the tornadoes and the kind of the weather effects and stuff, it looked like it was kind of in the same vein as Uncharted. So I might pick that one up. We'll have to see how that, that one goes. Maybe I'll pick it up on... Uh, um, actually, I don't even know if it's coming out for Christmas or when, when the release date is. <laughs> I was so overwhelmed by how many games they were showing. I can't even remember like all the release dates of everything, but to be continued. Of course they had gears of war five, which that was, again, that was another jewel in the crown of Microsoft's press conference. And I was a little worried at first because they were showing this Funko pop version of gears of war. And and it's actually apparently like, it's going to be a game. It's like, (laughs) which I could see, like it would be, it would be appealing to folks who like Funko pop and, and, might be fun just to like have some fun romping around or doing whatever with, but I was starting to get nervous because they showed that. And then they, the next one was like, Oh, and now we have this gears of war, real time strategy, tower defense game thing. (laughs) I'm like, Oh no, no, please. We need a gears of war game. And of course they delivered on the goods by showing gears of war five, which by the way, love what they're doing with the story. Once again, they had, an emphasis on what was going on with the, the female character. I can't remember her name, but just how they, you know, it wasn't focused on, on chainsaws and blood and gore and firing and <laughs> testosterone rage. Like instead, yeah, like shoot him. <laughs> uh, bring it. I'm another buff guy with a stylish goatee. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I really enjoyed how they focused on clearly someone had perished that was close to the, the, the female protagonist and she had to go do this thing or whatever. And, and it was a, a clear emphasis on the internal struggle of the character. Like, like the, you could tell, like instead of it just being that this visceral kind of shallow experience where you're just going from level to level and you're shooting uh, creatures and everything else, they really made it a point to focus on a smaller group of, of characters and, and really show some of their inner demons or, or conflicts or just the, just the relationship dynamics, which I thought was really, really fresh, especially for a Gears of War title. And it reminded me a little bit of God of War because in God of War 4, I actually um, just finished that game a couple days ago. And it was uh, a terrific story experience where in the past previous God of War titles, they were all about the huge epic spectacle and there's all this stuff going on and you're fighting against the gods and all that stuff from the Greek mythology. And this one was very much the father son relationship. And you had some other characters in the game as well that you come across and and you revisit as you play through the game. But really you only had like a very like 
small grouping of characters. I would say there's probably about five characters that played kind of the, the, the main roles. And then you had a, a couple more that were kind of more along the outskirts, the peripherals and that sort of thing. But I really enjoyed that because as a result, it's like, man, like by the end of the game, like I really felt like I had gone through this, this journey with these different characters. And I think that gears of war is sharing kind of a parallel to that, which I think is, I, I really like it. I, I hope it wasn't just for the trailer. I hope that that is something that, that they made a conscious decision in the game to do. So definitely happy about that. And of course, what you had already mentioned too, the best way possible to end the press conference was having, you know, a quote unquote hacker hack into the, <laughs> the Microsoft Xbox press conference to showcase Cyberpunk 2077. Absolutely fantastic. It was just the perfect way to start the conference, the perfect way to end the conference. And then all throughout in between, you had very strong titles throughout. I, if I had to critique it, I would say the only thing is, is that there was not one title in particular that left me absolutely just, just picking my jaw up off the floor. Like there was, there wasn't like a moment where I was like, Oh my God, did yeah. you see that? Like there wasn't something like that. But again, that's more of a nitpick because they just, they really did. I mean, they brought the goods. Yeah. I mean, they, they, they had like just a great racing game. They had a great um, shooter, like not only for, for a teaser for halo and whatnot, but I also want to mention too, that Phil Spencer, when he was talking up on stage, did you catch that? He was, he actually mentioned that they're working on the next Xbox console. Oh, I missed that. I mean, it, I mean, was, I know they are, I mean, they have to be, but yeah, it was very quick. It was toward the end. But he actually said that they are currently deep into the architecture development of their next Xbox console. And apparently there, there's um, rumors circulating online already about it being called Project Scarlet. Project Score. No, 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 that plays into kind of what you and I have talked about in the past with regards to Xbox One X in the sense that that struck us as more of a stopgap measure, kind of like, oh, well, here's an upgrade to the existing Xbox One. So if you want a premium experience, you can play on the Xbox One X. However, it wasn't, it wasn't being pushed as like a next gen console. Here's an upgrade to the upgrade. Right. And I don't know if even this one, because it's again, it, it was rumored that like, the expectation is that both Sony and Microsoft will debut their next gen consoles in 2020, not in 2019, but in 2020 that will probably be like the, the first reveal of what these next consoles are going to be like. So it's, I don't know if, if Microsoft is going to be adopting kind of an Apple thing where they're just going to continue to upgrade, you know, quote unquote upgrade their systems. Kind of like what Apple does where they, when they come out with the latest iPhone, you know, here's the iPhone no. X yeah. and whatever it yeah. is, you know, every other phone. Yeah. Yeah. Something to that effect. Or is it just going to be completely treated as like, here is a bonafide next generation step. I'm, I'm not exactly sure, but also worthy of mention too, is the fact that he was talking about, the different developers that they purchased. Yeah. And I, if I remember correctly, I think they, they purchased like four or five different developers, most of which did not have a game at this year's E3, which tells me that Microsoft is strategizing and learning from their mistakes. Because if you also, if you look at the sales numbers of the consoles sold between the PlayStation four and the Xbox one, the PS4 has outsold 
the Xbox One. Mm-hmm. And has continued to do so. And we talked about that way back in the day when Microsoft first stumbled upon their release. I mean, they, they, they really did themselves a disservice when they were trying all these different little things with the relaunch of the Xbox One. And if you recall, the gaming community just had this huge backlash against what they were doing. We're like, you couldn't like do something as simple as like let your friend borrow a game. Right. Remember, remember that whole yep, thing? Yeah, yeah. Well, that cost them during this entire generation of gaming and so they have found themselves in second place which is interesting because with the xbox 360 they were in first place yeah however microsoft has always been a good listener they always are doing kind of like these retro meetings and and like seeing okay what can we do to make sure that we don't have these same kind of problems in the future and i'm telling you i I can see how these different pieces are being put into place where like you know one of the 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 concerns a lot of gamers have is where are the first party exclusives from microsoft right that's a big one because sony clearly has them and uh, for the longest time xbox has just had you know they, they share a lot of the third party titles but where are the first party like amazing experiences well with them, I mean, they purchased Playground Games, which I mean, we huge. know that's yeah. huge. They also have started up a brand new studio called The Initiative, which is going to take place in Southern California. If you think about it, in Southern California, that's where you have pretty much like like just it's, it's like this focused hub of amazing creative talent. And I think they're going to be trying to to grab people who perhaps have had experience on other AAA titles. If you, if you figure like Naughty Dog is in Southern California, Infinity Ward is in Southern California. I mean, you have uh, an absolute metric ton of developers that are based in Southern California. And so I think they're going to try and and leverage that. They're going to have a bunch of money to throw at people. And I think the game, the first game that they're going to make is going to be for the next Xbox console. Yeah. Playground games. Of course they had um, horizon four, but the next title that they make may be a, a game that is for the next gen console. And they'll probably make it, make it backwards compatible with like the Xbox one, Xbox one X. But then of course um, you had Ninja theory as well, which they did Hellblade. Hellblade just came out. So once again, yeah, you know, now that they've bought them, you know, especially considering the, the game engine that they made for Hellblade, you know that they're going to be doing some sort of graphical tour de force sampling for the next gen console. So again, all these different pieces and what Phil Spencer was saying, you could tell they were positioning themselves to get ready for the reset as I, I like to call it a reset in the sense that like every time there's a new next generation console platform, it's, it's, it's the most exclusive unique thing about gaming, but it always sets all the companies back at the, at the start right. line again. Well, hopefully what happens is that when, when they, like, for example, when the Xbox one came out, there were some games. Well, it's actually not just limited to the Xbox one release, but usually when a new system comes out, mm-hmm. there's not a whole lot of titles to buy, or maybe there is, but there are a bunch of random titles, mm-hmm. but that are not, they're never really that great. And everybody's kind of twiddling their thumbs saying, where's the good games that where you know, where's the halo one of this system right. that I want to go out and spend money on. So maybe the, yeah, they're, they're working on the architecture of the next system, but hopefully they're having some real big minds make some good games upon release of this, of this next system. Well, and if you think about halo infinite, for example, that's a game that we don't know how, how far along it is. Yeah. And it could very well, I mean, think about the first Xbox that came out. The game that bu- was bundled with the Xbox or the game that was like first was, was launched with it was Halo. Right. And eventually Microsoft made it so that that was the game that came with the Xbox if you bought an Xbox. I think it would be absolutely brilliant 
if Microsoft were to return to that mindset where like on when the next system comes out, either have the, the latest Halo game be, be one of the launch titles or better yet, go back to the old school methodology of having a game come with the system. I don't know if they would do that yeah, because they're losing money on the console. So they probably have to earn it back from the title itself. But if they were to do something like that, I will guarantee you that is going to set them up for an absolute, like just, just, burst of a head start going forward. Right. So it's weird. It's weird. It's weird to look at kind of the, the history of Microsoft as, as um, Xbox has, you know, when they, when they started with the, the first Xbox, they weren't really sure what they were doing. They were learning as they were going along. They were able to hire a bunch of industry vets and stuff like that, but they were still having to figure out what they needed to do. But then when Xbox 360 came out, you could tell everything was so methodically planned out. All the presentations were flawless. I mean, everything just was firing on all cylinders. And as a result, then they got to first place. And then they went back. They kind of lulled back into the original Xbox scenario with the Xbox One. Yeah. Not that the Xbox One doesn't uh, have any good games. It does. But in any event, we can keep talking about that forever. So what grade would you give the... Xbox press conference, Steve. I probably would give it an A minus. An A minus, he says. Well, Steve, I agree. <laughs> A minus it is. So pivoting now over to Bethesda. So Bethesda, um, I thought one of the highlights actually was having Andrew WK come out and do his song thing. I mean, the <laughs> guy is so crazy. You could tell he loves what he does for a living. Yeah. And he's just, he's just nuts. But I thought it was kind of funny in contrast because his music is just, it's designed to get people up and rocking out and, you know, dance and get into a mosh pit, whatever. (laughs) The crowd was just like, just so still. You had like a few people who were kind of bobbing their heads and stuff. But once again, it goes back to that crowd thing of like, people are just so much more reserved. And it's so funny because like, I mean, again, he did a great job, but, um, in terms of the presentation of Bethesda, um, they're really, I felt like their, their show was stronger last year. Yeah, it was. And, uh, this year it was, it was interesting. You know, the rage Two actually caught my attention. Um, I'm going to have to check out some of the reviews. Yeah. I, th- that whole thing that, that was probably the weakest link for me with Bethesda, Bethesda's show is when the presenter, the, the creators came out and were talking about the game, they had so many pauses. Like they were waiting for everyone to applaud every like one sentence. Right. I'm like, what are you guys doing? Just, just talk. And then the guy had to like shake the audience up like, okay, come on, clap for us. I'm yeah. Like, what? Please clap. But again, I, yeah. And I think that that was one of the funny things about this year was just that a lot of the audience just was not as engaged as they typically are in the past. And except, you know, of course, Microsoft had an audience that was very much engaged and it just adds to the overall experience. Now, Fallout 76, again, I've never played a Fallout game. We've already covered that. Starfield was a new IP. They didn't show anything other than just the the title itself, but it definitely makes me curious as to what they're going to do because it looks like it's going to be kind of a space exploratory sci-fi style RPG. I think that's going to be really cool. They also showed like a pre-rendered cinematic of Doom, which, man, those those Doom titles, I mean, they're getting... These, these games are at a point where they're getting so realistic. I can't, I don't think I have the stomach for some of these newer titles because it's just, it's too gory. It's yeah. like, it's just too violent. And it, it, it's a long ways away from where it got started, where like, 
you know, the original Dooms were like those cartoony sprites that were moving around at 15 frames per second, you know. <laughs> How much can we stuff into 12 pixels? Exactly. <laughs> Uh, however, I did really like the folks who, um, the, the crew at Bethesda is always fun. Yeah, All the, the sure. studio heads, the developers, creative directors, so on and so forth. Um, they, they're, they're just a blast to listen to. You could tell they, they, they're a lot of fun. Uh, what grade would you give Bethesda? Yeah, I'd probably give it a, give it a, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm torn between a C plus and a B minus. I felt the crowd was very receptive to, to Bethesda, but because I don't follow a lot of their games, right? I'm not diehard. It, I, it was hard for me to get excited about right. it. Uh, and, and also since we had already seen Fallout 76 advertised on YouTube and then we saw it at Microsoft and right. then they started talking about it again, the excitement was leveled. You bring up a good point, which is that this was also something that that is a bit exclusive to this year. You've seen it a little bit here and there in previous years, but this was the first time where like you had several very like large titles actually debut their trailers before E3 right. got started. Yeah. And you could tell from a marketing standpoint, they wanted to try and like beat the others to market. They wanted to be, to uh, grab that attention, but I think it did themselves almost a disservice because we had already seen the fallout 76 trailer like a week before E3 came out. So then when they were like, Hey, here's the same trailer again, it's like, Oh, all right. Yeah. And even with Skyrim, I, I know there's Skyrim's got a big following and I'm not trying to dock the game. I have nothing bad to say about it, but I it's I'm not into it. You're talking about Elder Scrolls? Yeah. yeah. So I it's hard for me to get, you know, ramped up for some game that uh, I'm just, you know, doesn't have my bag. And that's fair because like there are with with Bethesda titles too, like I'm not a huge Bethesda right. guy. Like I really like the Prey series. I love the Wolfenstein series. I, I enjoyed how they had like the, the new expansion to Wolfenstein two with the, the twin daughters. I, I cannot wait to get like, I was engaged with that. I'm like, yes, give me more yeah. of that. I kind of, you know, what was kind of throwing me a bit was all the, all the cussing with all, with the pre presentations. Bethesda like, is known. You know, what's yeah, interesting like, is that Bethesda was the only one, if I recall correctly, that had uh, quite a bit of cussing in there last year, actually in previous years, there was a lot more cussing that was going on. And I'm glad to see that they've, They've gotten a little more clean as a result. Like, I just, I don't know, like there's a time and place for that sort of thing. I get it. You're in the gaming community. It's more of an right. edgier community, that sort of thing. But um, yeah, Bethesda has a reputation for it. I mean, you look at their games. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so what grade would you give Bethesda's press conference? Um, yeah, I don't know. Golly, I, I'd probably just say a C plus. Steve, it's uncanny because I too give it a C plus. <laughs> we are just on the same wavelength ah, here. It's like we're related. <laughs> Typically, we're kind of at odds, but this is it. This is oh, amusing. So, blasting on over to Sony. Oh, okay. Let me just Russ, go for it, Steve. Okay, what they did started off on the wrong foot. So they had this guy, or this guy, credit where credit's due. He had the head of Sony up there. And last year he goes, you guys want the games? Here you go. Here's a little introduction. The game. Thank you very much for the applause. Guess what? Another great game. And, and so on and so forth. The excitement was kept to a premium. This time it's like, okay, yeah, you guys like our venue? It's like it being a church. <laughs> okay. No, no, no. Uh, church. 
Yeah. He, uh, okay. Um, you know, that was, yeah, he, he held on to that for far too long. And then you had the guy come out and play the banjo. Okay. We're setting the tone for something. And then it's the last of us. We're seeing two chicks make out. And then and like, I don't know. It's hard for me to get, again, it's hard for me to get excited. And then they took a complete intermission from the oh entire show. I'm like, what's happening? I don't know if they were moving. It seemed like they were, I don't know if they were changing the entire venue or they were moving people from one venue to another venue, but we're just looking at these talking heads. I'm like, okay, what excitement I did have <laughs> is gone. Like it's gone. It's Shut totally up and show us the games. Yeah. I don't know what they were doing. Absolutely. Oh my gosh. Like, so, <laughs> okay. I appreciated the fact that they wanted to have their room, their stage set up so that it looks like right. the same room as the, the the demo they were showing in The Last of Us. I dig that. I yeah, think yeah. from a creative standpoint, that's really cool in terms of immersing, immersing, man, I'm really <laughs> messing up these words. And, and in terms of immersing your- Immersionizing. Your, immersionizing. Having an immersive experience with the game itself and being in the, in the studio audience. And also like like the banjo playing, I like that. I, th- I think that was cool too. I did think it went on a little too long. Yeah. I think if they were to cut that, that little banjo playing by 50%, Again, you're you're just wanting to introduce just a taste, to just just kind of set the tone, and then let the game be played. Don't overdo it because then at that point it's like, okay, we get it. We, you're you're spoon feeding us, and I'm already full. And in fact, you're you're making me feel like sick, ill. Because, yeah, yeah, because I've already eaten way too much. So, but then they did it again with. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and that guy was good at playing the he flute was too. Fantastic. He was awesome. Yeah. But I'm like, okay, maybe him, have him in the corner playing right. and have us looking at the screen. But instead he's the main part of the show and not the guy. I'm like, what are you? Okay. I'm confused. Right. Right. So going back to what, what you just mentioned about the intermission, that was an absolute mistake. You do not, Sony, you need need to pay attention to Uncle Russ right now, okay? I'm here to help you. This is is some advice for you, okay? I'm I'm saying this with the utmost respect because I like you. I think you have a lot of great stuff. (laughs) Give me a lot of money over the years. Yeah. When it comes to a show, the worst possible thing you can do once the show has commenced is to break away from the show and go to a sportscaster-esque table that is outside of the venue and have people basically BS while you're like having to like update the stage and stuff. That is so awkward for the viewer because it rips me out of the experience of, oh, now we're, see- we're seeing all these games. The other thing, too, is, is just do you never want to have your hosts outside of the uh, building. Yeah. That was terrible. You had the wind that was blowing your backdrop and even like the, the graphics that you had for like, like the desk and for the, the, the wall art behind you and everything it didn't do it any favors being in the sunlight. You have to like studio light that stuff to make it look appealing. Not to mention the fact that the hosts were just constantly at odds because they never knew when they were ready to go back <laughs> inside the theater or whatever room they were in. Is it starting now? No, 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 no. Okay, we, we got to keep talking. Okay, uh, what'd you guys think of? Yeah. Uh, yeah. You, you have to wait <laughs> until the end. Wait until the end yeah. of the show and then you cut to your panel that can discuss what was just shown. But don't do that. that, that I mean, that yanked me out. I cannot tell you so badly. <laughs> 
from the overall experience. The other thing that I need to talk about too is Sony. Fire your AV crew. I don't know what it is. You are Sony. You are responsible for some of the greatest electronic peripherals the market has ever seen. Known to man. And this has happened multiple years now where like the the audio is not balanced or, or correct. Like the levels are too low or too high or you're getting like... like Echo the, in the room. Yeah, yeah like yeah. the reverb in the room or like there was like static happening. Like at sometimes like when you went to like a black screen or something was dark or whatever. I mean, I'm just like, what is going on? Yeah, it just seemed really like slapped together and rushed. And, and if you recall last year, they had the same problem with the AV crew. We're well, like, like certain things like, like the audio was muted. Like yeah. they were showing a triple A title like, game um, first yeah. <laughs> time. And like, I'm like, where's the audio? Well, Can't hear anything. It didn't help that the kingdom hearts trailer that was actually shown three times. <laughs> I mean, it was shown at Microsoft. It was shown at Sony and was shown at Square's booth yeah. was still all the sound effects were gone. You just basically had music and voice with no sound effects. Like yeah. they couldn't fix it or slap something else together. Right. And that didn't help. Yeah. So, um, again, I definitely appreciated how they wanted to like set decorate the room so that it looked like another big game that they were going to spend a lot of time with. I dig that, but you have to think of a way that it can quickly be done where we're not constantly looking at our watches, wondering when the next game is going to be shown. And honestly, I think about Disney, you know, Disneyland is a master at this sort of thing where like there are certain rides that you're on where like, you know, the whole audience is shifting and it goes around like a circle and, and like there are different themes on the stage that rotate to and within like, you know, 30 seconds, they're on to the next part and everything's good to go. Like if you want to approach that again, the same way you did this year for like, say next year, look at what Disney does because they know they're all about like, like Perfection. user experience yeah, exactly, as yeah. it applies to entertainment. So anyway, let's get to the game. So uh, The Last of Us 2, I mean, from a technical standpoint, just it looked beautiful. It looked, it looked very impressive. But again, it's one of those games where the violence is becoming too realistic. And I found myself wanting to see the clickers back because I played the first Last of Us and I love the idea of like these this kind of unique take on the zombies and you had different relationships with people that you'd come across. It has a very, you know, Walking Dead um type of world but this one it just it was focused on just humans and how you have some sort of uh, violent cult or something that is you know w watching them stab someone who's hanging by their th their necks yeah, and their entrails come out yeah. yeah like i'm just like you know it's it's getting too real and like i, I don't think i'm going to be able to, to pick that game up just because it's just <sighs> maybe i'm just getting old i don't know but like <laughs> looking at that i'm like yeah i can't I can't go down that road because and it's, I don't know. It's weird. It's like it's for the first time this happened really. I think it was this year or last year where like I came to a realization. I think the first time I felt it was when um, I saw the, the Mortal Kombat game that was coming out for PS4 and Xbox one. And just the way that they did the fatalities and like the X-ray thing where like you're seeing like, like if a knee goes into the face and then you see the jaw breaking yeah. and, Again, the graphics are getting so real. I'm like, gosh, man, like it's, it, you, especially when you, when you compare it to like where it was, like, like using the Mortal Kombat example of the first Mortal Kombat was a bunch of like choppy animated GIFs and you saw this little like pixelated red dust kind of coming yeah. out and it was just really silly. And people, of course, freaked out about that back in the day. You look at it now and you're like, dude. Yeah. So. Well, I don't know what they were focusing on too. I mean, they, they seem like, 
it was okay. Here's going to be the 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 sexiness of the game. We're going to show you some strong imagery here, and then here's going to be like the total violent part. So a bunch of strong, you know, relationship love stuff, and a whole bunch of strong violent stuff. Okay, what about the story? What about the game? What about the gameplay? And we had a little bit of that thrown in there in the mix, but that was just the stuff you, you put on top. That was kind of a, a toss in rather as then they focused on the other two. I don't know. I, the last of us one was a strong title with the story. Mm-hmm. And it was even, I didn't play it. I was watching you play it and I yeah. was very much in, in tune with it. Uh, but I went, where's Joel? Yeah. I mean, don't tell me he died or yeah. something. Like I, I really, for one loved, I love the dynamic relationship between Joel and Ellie. And especially since you know, with last year's show, you, we already had enough of the cinematics with the girl playing the guitar right. and whatnot. Okay, we, we see that. Yeah. We don't need any more cinematics. Tell us, show us more about the game. Yeah. The Samurai game, and I cannot remember the name of it, unfortunately. I apologize. Um, but oh, that looked, that is a game I cannot wait to get. Yeah. The Samurai game looked absolutely amazing. Oh, man, that, that was awesome. Resident Evil 2. I was also extremely excited to see something like that because I watched you back in the day play on the first PlayStation Resident Evil 1 and 2, as well as the other ones, like 3, and I can't remember how many there are. But anyway, Resident Evil 2 was, I think, probably my favorite Resident Evil game I watched you play. And I'm so happy to see that they're coming out with a next-gen remake of that. And I'm going to buy that game and I'm going to have you play it. And we're going to, for nostalgic purposes, be able to uh, recapture some of those moments. You know, I heard something that they're doing, they're doing in that game, which is uh, extremely limiting the ammo, which is going to be different from the last game. It was like, oh, open a desk drawer. Oh, a box of handgun ammo. Oh, what's this sitting on the ground? More ammo. Nice. You know, but it seems <laughs> this like- This haunted mansion's filled with bullets. I <laughs> love it. But I think that this one, you're really going to have to conserve or maybe use your knife or some other weapons or I don't know. It seems like it's going to be, you have to be more strategic with how you, you take on the zombies. I cannot wait. I'm, I'm telling you, I'm so excited for that game to come out. I cannot wait. In fact, we'll have to do some, some Twitch streaming yeah. just to like, you know, commemorate the, uh, the event. Remember when Resident Evil 2 came out? not only were the graphics boosted, but the story was crazy too, because you were just limited to this different parts of this huge mansion, mm-hmm. which was really, really cool. But then you thought, oh man, the virus got outside. Now we're actually in Raccoon City. Oh my goodness, this mm-hmm. is on an epic scale. So for them to go back and, and revisit Raccoon City, but put all next-gen graphics on it, um, I mean, definitely looking forward to it. Now, of course, they showed finally gameplay footage of Death Stranding. And I know you're not into it. I know, like, I for whatever reason, what, you, you, you uh, can't connect to it. It's a little too abstract for you. Here's a guy walking around here. Here's a guy walking around there. <laughs> uh, here's a guy looking out for the monsters. I'm like, what? Okay, what are you supposed to do? What? Are, what is... I, just, I, I cannot know. wait to play this game. I think that Random. it is just... I, they have marketed this thing so well. Have and they? <laughs> I, I, for you know, it's interesting because um, there are two camps. Like, there's a camp that is like how you feel about it, where you're just like, ah, I just can't get into it, whatever. And then there's the other camp, like that I'm a part of, where people are just absolutely salivating over this game. They cannot wait to like just play it and see what it's about and everything else. Um, 
I was really happy to actually see like at this point they were showing gameplay graphics. I mean, the game looks amazing. Like the, just the, the geographical locations that the guy, and again, to your credit, it was a lot of like walking around, but just seeing what it looks like. I, mean, I was just like, this, this is gorgeous. I cannot believe what I'm seeing. It's just, and, and also the fact that they've hired real actors yeah. and have licensed their likeness and their voice and everything else it's going to be much more of like kind of a movie experience, an like interactive movie. At the end when the, the female actress, she has, do you know who I am? Like, no, I have no clue who you are. I have no clue who he is. I have no clue what we're supposed to do in the game. I have no clue. Like, I don't have a clue about anything that's going on. I am so lost right now. All I know is that, yeah, I have some tech and I'm in the wrong place at the wrong time. That's it. <laughs> and a baby. I have a baby for some reason. <laughs> that I probably should be keeping alive. Who knows? It looks like it's going to be intense. And again, I have a lot of faith in Hideo Kojima just because of the Metal Gear yeah. series. And again, he did the the Phantom Pain game, which again, <laughs> I have such a mountain of games I'm like currently in progress of playing. It's just, I have a pain that's being caused by a phantom. <laughs> Or I have a pain that I think is there. And you can tell actually from the Phantom Pain, the Phantom Pain also had... Um, huge draw distances and it took place where you're on horseback and there's just, you can tell that this is almost like a version 2.0 in terms of the approach of really making the space, a character unto itself that the, that your protagonist is just living in. So I, yeah, again, looking forward to that. Neo two. I get, it's so embarrassing to go through these games. Like I either have, I own, but I don't, um, play yet <laughs> but neo the first one was one that i bought can't wait to play it everyone says it's, it's really good they showed of course the sequel to, to neo and so i was like okay great now i'm like super behind on that one and of course spider-man which just looks so good dude like i haven't seen that one's coming out this year september yeah i haven't seen a superhero game look that good since arkham knight like the arkham series that Rocksteady Studios did with Batman. I was like, I mean, that is on just my my shelf of all-time favorites. Speaking of Rocksteady, I thought they were going to say something at this show. Dude, there were... There were, like, such heavy rumors going around that they were going to showcase their next game. And a lot of people are expecting that it's probably going to be Superman. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's what I was expecting. But they, they ended up not showing. That was one of the disappointments of the show. It's like, nope. And actually, too, on that note, while we're talking about it, and again, I'm kind of jumping the gun. Oh, I'll just say it now because I, I'm afraid I'm going to forget about it. Um, Square Enix was um, expected to showcase the their Avengers game, which, huh. if you recall, we've covered here on Joygasm right, because yeah. Crystal Dynamics is working on an Avengers title. Right, Crystal Dynamics right. is yeah, owned yeah, yeah. by Square Enix. yeah. yeah. Didn't happen. Golly. So I was like, what? So hopefully we'll see something maybe next year. So that being said, uh, what grade would you give the Sony press conference, Steve? Um, I would have to, oh man, I would be, I, I think I'm going to have to get, well, I, I would say a C plus. Um, gee, ooh, uh. I would have to say a C plus because they, they brought somewhat of the goods with, the games and they had the effort of trying to again immerse the the audience within the game. I just thought that 
it was stumbled upon with the venue change and the, the hiccup in the beginning with the intermission mm-hmm. and um, too much of the instruments being played was distracting over the games. And, and again, with the flaws with, with the production and what are we seeing here? We, I see static. I don't see some sound effects. This is missing. That's missing. I don't know. I, I mean, I, 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 I can't get above a C plus. You actually scored it a little bit higher than I did mm. on this one. I scored it a C minus. Yeah. And it's for a lot of the same reasons where the, the AV, the overall presentation was just pretty awful. It was pretty bad. I did, like I said, I appreciated what they were going for, but there were too many problems with it in order for it to actually be something that was enjoyable. I also did like the fact that we got to see some newer games like, like the Samurai game. <laughs> I was going to call it the Samurai game. <laughs> Everybody knows what you're talking yeah. about. Yeah. And Resident Evil 2, uh, seeing gameplay footage of Death Stranding, seeing Neo 2, and of course, Spider-Man, which they showed last year, right. but um, seeing a, a completely different level, the game just looks so good. Yeah. Um, so that that spoke higher of the, the show itself. However, there, there really weren't very many new titles right. that were on display. I would say probably close to half the games that they showed were previously shown last yeah. year. They focused more on like the quality of certain games without the quantity, but even with the quality, there was stuff lacking. Agreed. Yeah. Moving on to Ubisoft. Now, Ubisoft, I felt, you know, they always have kind of a quirky show. Yeah, they do. Um, I don't. I don't really get what it is about the music and the dancing. I don't I, either. I, they keep doing that, and I don't know if it's just kind of their trademark thing now to do <laughs> at an E3 press conference. But I'm like. I don't get anything out of this. You know what? I, my first thought was, obviously you have more than enough money to spend on all this extra <laughs> fare fair that then, you know, actually going forward with some, some of the quality in your games. So going into Beyond Good and Evil 2, they showed this last year. And that game actually looks kind of cool. Everything. Okay, here's the thing. This game, the first game was really, really good. What's interesting about this is that they're really not showing a lot of gameplay footage. They're showing very impressive pre-rendered cinematics, which they probably hired out to like Blur Studios or something equivalent to that, some sort of third-party vendor. But the characters are cool. I really love yeah. the characters. Yeah, yeah. The, the whole spaceship sci-fi future world kind of thing, really, really cool. I just want to see gameplay. I want to see what's yeah, going what on. Happens. I was glad that they, they, they did introduce the main um, character from the first Beyond Good and Evil game, which which I was keying on last year. I'm like, wait, where is she? Yeah. But but they brought her in at the very last minute. It's like, okay, cool. You know, she, she's in there. So that that's great. And they did, I mean, to be fair, they did show a little bit of gameplay. Yeah, a little like bit of saw, traveling, traveling around. Yeah. yeah, you saw some, like a city and you saw some of the ships and stuff. I yeah. mean, it looks beautiful. Yeah, yeah. They also showed Assassin's Creed Odyssey. And I got to tell you, this is one of the first times I've seen an Assassin's Creed game where I'm like, I am interested. Yeah. I think I might like this one. The whole Greek setting and it looks like you're a Spartan or something. Yeah, and you like have, you have a choice between being a dude or a chick. Yeah, yeah, that's really cool. And then like the just the visual palette, the color palettes that they used just looked really appealing to me. Like I, I was I was like, dude, okay, I could I don't know if the assassins gameplay mechanics would fit in this world because I just don't see a Spartan, like, you know, being able to like traverse these 
rooftops and stuff <laughs> yeah. the way that a they've parkouring, done the past. <laughs> parkouring yeah, in all the Assassin's Creed's that I've played, that's one of the special parts of the game is the cityscape and the venue. And yeah, you, you totally feel like you're in old school Paris, old school Boston, you know, colony style or, uh, you know, old school France. All right. Paris. Yeah. <laughs> one of the same. So, uh, or old school London. And so I'm hoping they do a great job with this. Yeah. I don't know how the parkouring is going to work, but I'm, I'm, I'm open for, for ideas. I know the game is still in development, but they do need to tidy up again the facial animations, yes. which have been a, f- a flaw in the past. Like they're kind of like, <laughs> like the static looking wide eyed look and some of the, <laughs> the, the mouth, the mouth movement were, were, were off. I'm like, okay, I, I noticed that too. Please fix that. Uh, but they do need to really focus on the story. And I didn't play the last Assassin's Creed because I was so disappointed with the last, the, the two before then. Mm. The one, the one in London, the one in France. I mean, beyond the cityscape, the stories just sucked. And, no, I, and there were too many flaws. I, just, I, I, I I'm going to take a break. I have heard from each person who has played Assassin's Creed Origins that it's a great game. So you may want to give that a chance, especially now that it's cheaper. Yeah. But yeah, going back to this, the, the Assassin's Creed Odyssey, I may just have to pick that one up. I, I may bite on that one and see if I'm going to like it. Maybe, maybe you'll have to get an Xbox One X before that rush because, um, you know. Yeah. You know, I, I might have to, Steve. Okay. I might have to. Trials Rising. Now, Trials was a game that came out back in the day for the Xbox 360, and that was a really fun game. I don't know if you ever played it or not, but it came out back in like 2010 or something. I think it was like called Trials HD or something like that. Anyway... It's like this like sandbox playground where you're on like this motorbike and you're going through these completely unrealistic scenarios, but it's really fun because it's all physics based. And so you have these different types of like <laughs> tracks that have these like death defying situations and stuff. And I don't know, like I thought I was like, okay, I, I might pick that up. That, that looked yeah. fun. Division two, we've already covered skull and bones. Okay. I wanted to get your take on this because of course we've been playing sea of thieves. Right. And Skull and Bones is going to be in that same world, so to speak, of the whole piracy. I, it's weird because it's almost like I want to have a merging of the two because with Sea of Thieves, you have the, the ability to be able to go sailing wherever you want to sail in this big world map. You can, you know, jump off your boat and you can go onto these different islands. You can go treasure hunting. There's all these different things you can do. But in Skull and Bones, it's like you have different classes of ships. The graphics are just so much more realistic. I mean, I like the graphic style of Sea of Thieves too. Don't get me wrong, but like, man, like the 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 characters and the ships and stuff. I mean, it just it looks gorgeous. Yeah, I'm I'm torn with that one because I I I'm one of the few who really enjoyed the uh, the Assassin's Creed Black Flag just because of the, the all the nautical warfare and how the islands looked and uh, all, like old school Havana. I loved all that stuff. I mean, the story was actually, in my opinion, better than some of the other one, all the, the other Assassin's Creed that had followed it. Mm-hmm. But I wanted a higher resolution. I've been saying it a couple of times on this show where I wanted a higher res version of a con- and a continuation of that story. Right. So they brought a skull and bones, which is more or less like that, but it's, it's too much focused on the strategy of the nautical warfare. Totally agree. And, 
and like the evilness of the pirates, not necessarily like the personality. And um, like, for example, Sea of Thieves is, is beautiful. Like you have beautiful water and you have beautiful daytime sky, nighttime sky. And they're, now they're working on the undersea part of it and how making that beautiful. This is, uh, it, I guess it's detail, but it's maybe too dark. Um, and even with, the, not, the nautical warfare, I think there's too much like, okay, now if you angle it, you know, you're cannon yes. this way. And uh, and they were using like the word intel. Like, I don't think pirates used the word intel right. back in the day. Like, no, you didn't have a text message or in a computer system. They were much more methodical in their actions. Yeah. You heard, maybe you heard a rumor that some exquisite cargo was passing by, but right. you didn't get intel, quote yeah. unquote. And they, they probably were much more spontaneous too. Like if they happened to see a, a trader ship on the horizon that had supplies and stuff, yeah. then they would go, oh, let's go get that one, you know? But um, I totally agree. And I, I think that, that it's, it's a mistake to have those UI notifications yeah. and elements in there. It takes away from it, this being an old world that didn't have all the tech and all that kind of stuff. And that's that speaks highly of Sea of Thieves in the sense right. that it's much more organic. Like you have to eyeball everything and you have to figure out how to you know sail and i mean yeah. the other ships just kind of move because they're sailing ships and you, you're going to move somewhere but in sea of thieves you have to kind of you have to adjust the sails and you have to maybe strategize how to get away from the other ships in this game it just seems like you're in a sailboat and you move because obviously there's going to be wind <laughs> <laughs> but i think they they didn't do enough with the water either and so the you, you notice how the ships move, and it just looks like they move because they're programmed that way. I and thought that they had a pretty good, I don't know, itch it, and you know. Yeah, it, it didn't look bad. I just thought it could have definitely been better. One thing though that that did look awesome was the scale of the ships. Yes. They did look bigger. They you did have a variety. They did have a lot more detail and customization to them. I mean, when you're behind the helm of one of those frigates, you're like, man, that ship is big. Yeah. You know, versus Sea of Thieves, you're like, okay, you know, I'm on the bigger ship. Oh, I'm on the smaller ship. All right, got it. <laughs> you know. One of the concerns I have with the game is every time they show gameplay footage, it's always kind of in this like reef area. Like it's around yeah. kind of an island, but then you're kind of waiting on a ship to show up and then you're, tr you're trying to blast that ship and there might be other pirate ships due to the online presence. So like, you know, you may be fighting over the treasure once the, that ship goes down, but there was never a change up of that. And that's one of the strengths that plays to sea of thieves is just the fact that you can go, you can go into the open ocean for yeah. a while and then you'll come across other places, other islands or outposts or just some sort of uh, rocky area or whatever it is. And I want to see that in Skull of Bones. I want to be able to like have a world that it is a pirate world. I don't want to be confined to just like a, a, a barrier reef area where like, oh, here comes another ship yeah. and you have to try and sink it and then fight other people. And oh, look, there's like another ship that's coming. It's like, it felt like kind of like a, almost like a crowded harbor in a way where you have all of these huge ships in a very confined space. And I yeah. want it to be much more open and give us the flexibility to go where we want to go. Which was how Assassin's Creed Black Flag was. You had a huge map and you had a ton of different variety of islands to visit. Yeah. I mean, that's how it was. And I, at first I was willing to give it a pass because last year when they first showed it, I was thinking, okay, here's like some gameplay of like some ships battling or whatever. But then I started getting concerned this year because they essentially showed the same thing. Yeah. 
I did, I mean, I think there was um, the addition of showing your hideout, which I really liked. I liked how you were on land, you're walking around, you're seeing these pirates doing things and that sort of thing. But my concern is, is that's kind of your staging area that you start out before you set sail somewhere and not necessarily like a inkling of what's to come in the game in terms of like being able to go to all these different islands or lands or whatever. I don't know. Like I, I want the complete experience of what it's like to be a pirate. And I feel like in sea of thieves, they have the open world, but not enough content. And then in skull of bones, they have the content, but not enough open world. It's weird. Like yeah. I just want to see like a, like a, a cross pollination of the two, but anyway, moving on. Uh, they also had the Donkey Kong thing. I'm not a Donkey Kong fan, so I'm not going to really comment too much on that. So what grade? Actually, am I forgetting any other big titles that Ubisoft showcased? Uh, I think you are, but you know what? Everything kind of started blended together and they didn't, I mean, after Beyond Good and Evil was probably the starlet of the, of the show. And after that, everything I don't, that Ubisoft was working on to me just didn't, I don't know. They had of, you know, Joseph Gordon Lovett come out and he yeah. was, talking about the partnership that they had. And yeah. I think even Elijah Wood came out at a different yeah. point too. You know, they were trying to leverage their celebrity was, connections and it's, you know, it's fine. But at the same time, it's like, I'm, I'm, I'm here for the games. Exactly. I, we're here, we'll flip it up. So Ubisoft, I give it a, I'm going to say, a, I'm going to give it a B. And the reason why is just because the Beyond Good and Evil 2 just looks fantastic. Assassin's Creed Odyssey, I was very much um, engaged with. I was like, wow, okay, I, I'm, I'm digging this. Trials Rising was cool. Division 2, once again, like I had written off the Division series, but after seeing that, I'm like, okay, actually, you know, I think I'm, I'm getting into that. Skull and Bones, we just talked about, despite some of the concerns that I have, I still very much want to try it out. I want to play and see what it's like. Um, I don't think they had any kind of horrible... Well, okay, let me, you know what? I... <laughs> I almost uh, forgot about something. Ubisoft also had AV issues. If you recall, the um, the AV crew kept getting offstage comments from people oh, who yeah, had yeah, yeah, just yeah, yeah, yeah. presented. Right. Like they forgot to turn their oh, mics we off. nailed it. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh, oh, dude. That was so unprofessional. They like, just, just... And it wasn't just like one person either. It was like almost every person who went up there, they forgot to turn off their mics. And that's such a no-no in production, like video production or broadcast or whatever. I mean, it's just like, you guys, <laughs> you can't, you yeah. cannot do that. So, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to, I give them a B minus. Now I just remembered that. Yeah. I would give them a C. Okay. Only because they didn't, uh, they didn't do a terrible job. It wasn't as they didn't have the flaws as like uh, EA or Sony, but at the same time, they didn't do enough of what I wanted. I mean, I, what I remember from the, the Ubisoft conference, what stayed with me was Beyond Good and Evil Two, right? For the most part, the other stuff was fine. It just wasn't good, good enough. Mm -hmm. So yeah. Moving right along into your favorite. Oh, gosh. Nintendo. Oh, man. <laughs> I, 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 yeah, I can't. <laughs> I can't. I'm sorry. Oh, man. All right. They didn't have any microphone issues. Huh? Ah, ah. That's a good point. 
no AV issues, but my goodness, I think it is. I understand. Okay, let me back up. They didn't have any venue problems either, Russ. I understand <laughs> that Nintendo basically can print money because everybody's going to buy their systems, they're going to buy their games and everything else, and so therefore they don't need to put on a big show. Having said that, I think that their media of having a pre-recorded video that they just plop out there is the wrong way to go about things. I think just if for nothing else, just humor your gaming community and your fans have a show at E3. I mean, E3 is, is an opportunity for the gaming world to come together and celebrate what everybody's been working on and get excited for it and everything else. The video thing just doesn't work. Like, I mean, Reggie, nothing against Reggie or anything, but just having, you could tell in the video, he's reading off a teleprompter. You saw his eyeballs like yeah. flickering back and forth. The, the unrealistic house that he was in, like nobody lives there. Yeah. Like it's, it's just, it, it, it just kills the moment for, for that sort of thing. And then, you know, you have folks who are working on Nintendo products and they're speaking in Japanese, which again, I have nothing against folks who speak Japanese, but the problem is, is that I am too busy reading the subtitles that are translated for me in English. And as a result, I miss what's going on on screen. Or if my eyes go up and I'm looking at the game and then I'm missing what's being said as yep. he's describing it. Like I, I can't focus on both at the same time. Right. You've got to have, especially for E3, because E3 is more of, of like, a, it's, it's just, the reality is it's dominated with the English language. And yeah, you can have, there are several other conferences and you can have certain conferences that take place like in Japan, for instance, it would make perfect sense to have it be more of Japanese. Totally get that. That's totally fine. But I would just really recommend to Nintendo that they have, if they're going to continue with the video route, you've got to have everybody be able to speak English to it because it just, the, the product suffers. The presentation suffers as a result because I can't, I mean, we even tried to give our, our live reactions for our Patreon listeners. Honestly, I don't think I'm going to post it because it's just so discombobulated. I mean, I was having to like read what the subtitles are saying in addition to all the chaos of sound effects and music <laughs> and everything else. Um, and that actually is an opportunity for me to segue into the fact that clearly the, the um, uh, Super Smash Brothers Ultimate game was kind of like their big meat and potatoes of the show. That went on for far too long. Dude, that was... I, I'm... Okay. So I'm going to chime in, but... And, and I'm not a big Nintendo guy. I... You know, I when when um, when the Wii U was out, you know, I was playing the tennis and I was doing the bowling, and that was really fun, and I I, and I get it. But beyond that, I wasn't into the, a whole lot of other of the games, and it's kind of translated with the Switch. And I'm not having anything bad against the Switch, but it, it really does take a certain fan base to enjoy all the games that are on the Switch, and they're sure. real kind of cartoony anime base, which is the bulk of their games. Yeah, and that's just not really what I'm into anymore. And so, if they want to get me and prop and possibly others that aren't into that stuff onto the, the system, then they need to do a little bit more outreach with some other games. And yeah, they are kind of bringing Wolfenstein to the Switch. Okay, that's fine in one game. Okay, but we've already played Wolfenstein. It's already been out. Right. Uh, what else you got? Uh, so in a sense, they didn't do enough 
to broaden their their fan base right. in a sense. And so I was left like, okay, if I'm at someone's house who happens to have a Switch, yeah, okay, I want to play Super Smash Brothers. But I'm not going to go out and spend money on a Switch just to get Super Smash Brothers. Especially if they show me, they, they bored me out with 20, I actually think it was 25 minutes of, okay, here's all the characters. Here's how, what they all look like. Here's all their moves. Here's their origin story. Here's their blood type. Like, I don't, I mean, that, that's not what they show, but here's it, what kind of toilet paper exactly they like to use. Like I was so ready for that show to be done. You know, it was, you it was know. way too much overkill. I mean, just the fact that they were going over, um, even the animation cycles, like watch how this character backsteps. And you'll notice in the older version, they backstepped with X amount of animation frames versus the new one that has, I'm like, what guys, we as gamers, we're going to discover that as we're playing the yeah. game, we're, we will be able to tell all these different upgrades and changes and stuff that you've done to the game. And we're going to appreciate that's part of the discovery process of playing a new game. Yeah. You don't have to spoon feed us every little thing you've done, especially since they had some other games, some RPGs that were coming out. And yeah. I thought, wait, 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 you gave me like 15 seconds of that game that actually looked interesting to me as a new Nintendo switch player. Sure. Why don't you show me that? This is E3. Show me more of the games you're working on that are coming out. Right. And they didn't. Yeah, they had, let's see, they had the Super Mario house party thing. Um, they had Fire Emblem, Fortnite, like what you said, Hollow Knight. Octopath Traveler looked interesting. Splatoon 2, I haven't played the first Splatoon. I hear good things about it. Of course, again, to your point, Wolfenstein 2, I've already played it, so yeah. it's, that's nothing new. Right. It's, I mean, it's, it's almost like they're just trying to check mark that box. Right. Like, oh, yes, we too have edgy titles for our system. They did show briefly some what looked like a Mega Man game, which I was very interested in. But yeah, like they're just again, it was a big 180 from last last year. They had a strong showing. Like if you recall, I mean, they were showing Super Mario Odyssey. They were showing like that Kirby Adventure game. Um, they had like a teaser. I think it was like uh, the next like Super Metroid game or something. I can't remember exactly what it was, but like they had like a ton of titles. Where like by the end, I'm like, dude. Nintendo's really coming out with uh, quite a few titles that I'm interested in here. This is great. So yeah, I'm for Nintendo. Um, I give it. I give their their presentation a D. Honestly, absolutely, absolutely D. I'm not gonna. I was kind of flirting around with an F, but it's like, well, they didn't fail at it. They they were bringing out games. They were coming out to their fan base. They were doing what they do best. I get it. But it was. But the whole presentation and it didn't have any technical issues. It was just the overall what what they had to show and how they showed it uh, with Smash Brothers taking forever and then not enough broadening of, of games and what they were trying to broaden out didn't right. show it nearly enough. So yeah, uh, D for me too. Now, of course, comes the big question, which is just that um, there have been a, a huge amount of games that were shown. Which game are you most excited about from the show? Cyberpunk. Once again, we're on the same wavelength here. I am a little weirded out by it because normally we are very different, but uh, I am the same way. Cyberpunk 2077, I'm head over heels excited for that game. Yeah. It's, it's, it's going to be, especially too, I was reading about how IGN was one of the, the, the groups that were, was given the behind the closed doors example of what, what the gameplay was like. They Apparently it's like 45 to 50 minutes oh, yeah. of gameplay time. And they came away saying, this is excellent. This is it. Like yeah. just the, the expression they had on their, like you could tell they were blown away. Like it wasn't like, oh yeah, this is really cool. I can't wait to play. Like it was on another level of like, 
man, this is really something different. Yeah. And to CD Projekt Red's credit, I mean, they're, they are paying attention to the original story. Uh, the author of the story is brought into the, the game to, to give his take on it. And so, uh, and, and CD Projekt Red and has said that they've done additional things on top of the story that weren't in there, mm-hmm. um, but that have gotten the creator's approval. And I mean, yeah, everyone's giving it the nod and it wasn't like, oh, you know, here's, here's one map that we made that we spent a little bit extra time on the detail. I mean, the entire game looks... Absolutely incredible. And it looks like that type of immersion game that you want when you decide to have, you know, okay, I got home from work. I got home from school. I just want to unplug, go into this separate world, this oasis. I'll just put it out there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Ready Player One. And um, I, I just want to escape the world I'm living in with all the, the, the toxicity and the politics. And I just want to go into someplace else that has nothing to do with my everyday life. And that's the game. Right. Absolutely. Well... I think that is enough said for this particular episode. I, I'm going to go ahead and wrap it up. Make sure that you guys tune in next week as there's a very good chance that we actually may have another special guest interview in the form of Ray Almaden, who's a veteran uh, game developer. That's uh, I would say it's probably about you know 90% confirmed. We'll have to see if, uh, if that ends up working out next week or if it gets punted or whatnot. But just to give you a little bit of a sneak peek of what's to come. And we still got to see Incredibles 2, Russ. And we do. That's another one. Yes, we're going to definitely be having an Incredibles 2 movie review coming out here in the very near future. But uh, I want to thank you all for hanging out with us. If you enjoy this episode, we invite you to check out patreon.com slash joygasm and pledge $1 a month for exclusive access to the show. What kind of exclusive access are you talking about? Well, in this case with E3, you have exclusive access for all you Patreon listeners out there to our live responses to the EA Games Conference, the Xbox Conference, and Sony Conference. And that's something that you will only find on our Patreon page. Also, it's worthy of mention that you can follow us on social media and YouTube. Just do a search for Joygasm TV. In addition to iTunes and Android, you can listen to our podcast on TuneIn Radio, Stitcher, Spotify, which by the by is having some technical difficulties, but I'm hoping it'll come back. Apparently, like I checked on our Joygasm thing and all the episodes have been erased. Like, like oh, you, good. you can't find anything on there. So I have been in contact with them. They're working on it. I don't know what the problem is, but hopefully we'll be able to get that back up and running. <laughs> Cause actually there's like quite a few people who, who prefer the Spotify platform. <gasps> Just be patient with us. Anyway. Uh, also too, we are on SoundCloud at soundcloud.com slash joygasm TV. Last but not least, search Joygasm TV on Twitch to see a stream or gaming adventures live every Wednesday night at 9 30 PM central time. And until then, we'll see you next week. 